What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And what better way to spend this particular edition of the show than by going through the emotional roller coaster of a 72-hour period that the Tennessee Titans had this past week. And that is exactly what what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to start off by recapping the tragic news of this past Saturday. Technically, the news broke, I believe, on uh, this past Sunday, but the tragic loss of former former Oilers and Titans tight end Frank Wachek, who passed away this weekend at this past weekend at the age of 52 which is crazy to think about and sad to think about in a lot of ways really shows us all the importance of how at the end of the day how short life really is and we've got to take the most Make the most of it, I should say, while we have it. And I'm going to be recapping what Frank meant to the team, both on and off the field. And after getting into that, I'm going to be discussing how just drunk and crazy of a football game that Monday night game was in Miami. It's just really, really, it was really unbelievable to see the Tennessee Titans being able to come away with a win over the Dolphins in a game that, frankly, they had no business winning in a lot of ways. But a win is a win is a win. And if you are a Tennessee Titans fan, you have got to be very, very pleased at what the outcome of that game was because the whatever faint playoff hopes the Tennessee Titans had technically are still alive. And so if you're a Titans fan, you've got to be very, very pleased about that. But before I get into Titans-Dolphins, I want to go back to last Saturday's big news, which was the loss of Frank Wachek. For those of you who may have missed the big headline from this past weekend, of course, former Tennessee Titans and Houston Oilers and Tennessee Oilers, uh, tight end uh, Frank Wachek passed away at his home in Chattanooga, this past weekend at the age of 52. He uh, apparently fell in his home, collapsed in his home in the Chattanooga area. And, of course, his family discovered him. And you can obviously fill in the blanks from what happened thereon. But very tragic loss and... I'm not saying that this is immediately connected to the death by any means, but because I'm, of course, not a doctor after all. But for those of you who remember listening to Frank on radio, and of course, I was, I was one of the quick sidebar really quickly. Uh, when I was in my junior, senior year of high school, uh, one of the things that really got me going in my morn- in my early morning routine as I started the drive to school was listening to the Wake Up Zone with, of course, Mark Howard and Blaine Bishop. I believe it was Blaine Bishop. I could be I could be wrong, and of course, but I believe it was. Blaine, and of course, obviously, Frank Wachek. And that was really just 
one of the things that got me hyped up for the seven-hour school day of the grind of the seven-hour school day, I should say, was listening to Blaine and Mark and Frank talk sports. Really, really helped get me going. And one of the things that any listener of the Wake Up, whether it be listeners of the Wake Up Zone or Titans Radio, over the over his past few years of doing those broadcasts, was Frank maybe slurring his speech a little bit due to the what anybody can. What anybody who was listening to the broadcast would automatically assume was CTE, which was, which is of course a reference to the all of the head trauma that comes with playing fantasy playing fantasy football. I almost I almost had a uh, slip of the tongue there, talk thinking about how the uh, collapse of the Dolphins' defense as I'm. As I mentioned in the description of the show, helped end my fantasy playoff hopes. Not that I'm mad about that or anything. Not that I'm still mad about that. That uh, that nail-biting finish in a lot of ways for the Dolphins' defense, in particular, from a fantasy football perspective, as it relates to me. But not that I'm. Not that I'm still mad about that or anything, <laughs> but anyway, the Dolphins' defense really let me down against the Titans, but I'll, more on that later. Coming back to my main point that about Frank Wachek, one of the side effects that we see from and have seen from individuals who play the game of football, regardless of whether they play fantasy football or not, one of the side effects of the game of football can be those CTE-type situations and the traumatic uh, brain injuries that could ensue from those injuries. And... If you listen to the way Frank, if you listen to Frank Wachek over the last few years that he was doing radio, I mean you you could you could tell right, and I think maybe he realized this, which is why to his credit he did inevitably step away from broadcasting because better to. Step better to step away too early as opposed to too late, you know. But very, very, very sad situation with Frank Wachek. And of course, my thoughts and prayers go out to the Wachek family and all of his former teammates, coaches, and friends, and pretty much anybody associated with the life and football career of Mr. Frank Wachek. Uh, as it relates to his actual football career, uh, Frank Wachek was obviously a legend. There's no other way to put it. He was obviously a legend of the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Oilers slash Tennessee Titans organization and yes I will get to the get to the miracle a little bit more in detail here in just a second but just to touch on some of the accolades from Frank's playing career he was he was actually drafted by the Washington Redskins in 1993 and yes I did just refer to them as the Washington Redskins because in the year 1993, before all of the obvious drama ensued decades later thereabout, they were, of course, known 
as the Washington Redskins. They are, of course, now known as the Washington Commanders, obviously, just to be fair. But he was drafted by Washington in 93, spent about two years with them before joining the Oilers slash Titans organization in 1995 and was a second-team All-Pro in 2000. He was also a three-time Pro Bowler from 1998 to 2000. And yes, now that I've already teased it, let me get to the miracle the play that we all that we all know the play that will forever be entrenched however you look at it as either the Nashville nightmare if you are a Buffalo Bills fan to of course what we as Tennessee Titans fans know as the Music City miracle of course I'm not going to get into the details of that play because we all know what the details of that play are, right? There's no, there's really no need to get into it any further than that. But the one thing I will say, and I pointed this out on my social media upon hearing the news of Frank's passing away, that without Frank Wachek, that there is no Music City Miracle, because without the lateral pass that came from Frank Wachek, and yes, I know there might be some certain, certain aspects of Bill's Mafia that refuse to admit that it was a lateral, but it was a lateral, okay, for all intense and purposes. It was a lateral pass. Obviously, Bill's Mafia likes to say it was a forward pass. No, it was not. Just go back and look at the film, okay? And of course, with hindsight being 2020, I of course, I of course felt the need to acknowledge that without that lateral pass, to Kevin Dyson, there is no Music City Miracle. There is no miracle in that case. And just Frank Wachek obviously made way more plays than just that one. Although that one will, that one obviously is what he may be most well known for. But Certainly, he was a trusted safety valve of Steve McNair and beloved teammate of Steve McNair, who he is now once again reunited with, we can all assume. And, of course, he was not only longtime friend and teammate of Steve, but also one, one of my personal heroes, uh, Eddie George, who definitely belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and obviously Kevin Dyson, Blaine Bishop, all of the legendary titans from those legendary mid to late 90s to early 2000, 2000s uh, Tennessee Titans and Oilers teams. And so, my, of course, my heart and thoughts and prayers go out to the Wachek family and anybody who has been negatively impacted by the loss of number 89. May he rest in peace. Now, shifting gears from one miracle to another, the Music City miracle to the most recent miracle in Miami, of course. And the Titans have had some very interesting games 
in Miami over the last few years. I believe the few years ago, I cannot remember exactly what year it was, but a few years ago, the Titans played the Dolphins in Miami, of course. This this is actually pre-Ryan Tannehill trade, which I guess would have been either 2016 or 2017. I believe it was either 2016 or 2017. The, I guess this game is not so much a miracle in Miami as it was a marathon in Miami because I remember, I remember watching this game with both of my roommates at the time and think because there were so many there were so many weather delays was the reason why this game lasted for seven hours on and off. This game went for seven hours and me and my me and my roommates are sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, what what is going on in Miami? There's all these weather de- weather delays going on and just was just a crazy scene and it's crazy i still can't believe that they, that game lasted for s- 7 hours although on a positive note it did kill the hour break that give or take that comes in between the conclusion of the three o'clock games and Sunday night football. So it did do away with that, but seven hours was the Titans-Dolphins game that year. Seven hours. Wow. Just wow. But Shifting gears from that, we go from the marathon in Miami to the most recent miracle in Miami in a game that the Tennessee Titans really did not have a lot of business being in, let alone winning, at least on paper, because they were playing against the, at the time, I've not seen what the rankings are after this game, but at the time, the Miami Dolphins had the number two ranked offense in the NFL. And of course, we all know why that is the case when you have a dominant, excuse me, a dominant quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. I cannot believe that announcers still pronounce his name Tungavailoa, because there's no N in the name. The letter N is not in the name. I cannot get past that, but Tua Tagavailoa, and obviously Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and blah, 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 blah. Second-ranked offense in the NFL at the time, and... This is really a game that the Miami Dolphins really needed to win because when you look at the AFC playoff standings, if Miami would have beat the, beaten the Titans on Monday night, that would have really put a stranglehold on the number one seed in the AFC for Miami, who is now having to deal with the log jam at the top of the AFC with teams like Baltimore and Kansas City and Jacksonville. And it's really going to be a, a, a tricky situation if the, for the Miami Dolphins if they do want to get that home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. But let me get to why. Let me get to what some of my takeaways are from this game. Number one, Will Levis, what a guy, what a guy, continues to prove 
all of the haters wrong. And before I get in, before I get any further into Will Levis, I just want to give a little bit of a sidebar to tennis my tenant my friends of the show, if you will, who happen to be Tennessee Titans fans and also Tennessee Vols fans, who are of course not very high on the fact that Will Levis came from the University of Kentucky, arch rivals of the University of Tennessee, obviously. Look, guys, it's 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 time to move on, okay? Well, I get it. I, I don't like Kentucky either, okay? They are... No, certainly no, no friend to me, no friend to any other Tennessee fan out there. They, they will always and, and forever be a basketball school, blah, 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 blah. Having said that, it's, it's, it's time to move on, guys. Vols fans slash Titans fans. It's it's time it's time to embrace Will Levis as one of our own at this point because as as strange as some of his alleged antics are, of course, I'm talking about the drinking coffee with mayonnaise thing, which I still cannot get past mainly because I'm not that much of a coffee guy to begin with, but all of that aside, and all joking aside, uh, what Levis is making a very strong case as to why the Tennessee Titans knew what they were doing when they selected him with the 33rd pick in the draft because he's, gosh, he's just, he's just incredible with the patchwork offensive line that the Titans have and the obvious lack of, lack of weapons around him. And even when they are healthy, they, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, the, uh, who did have seven catches for 124 yards and a touchdown, against the Miami Dolphins outside of D-Hop and on occasion Chig, a Conquo, and on occasion NWI, as weird as that is to say, there really is a lack of talent, honestly, especially at the receiver position because where is Traylon Burks? I mean, I'm still waiting on Traylon to show up, and I know that he's, I know that he's been hurt. I know that he's been banged up, which is another conversation to be had, particularly during this off season, about what exactly Traylon Burke's role with the team will be moving forward, and. It need, it's a question that needs to be answered in short order because this year's NFL draft is completely loaded with talent at the wide receiver position. But uh, Traylon Burks against the Miami Dolphins, do you guys remember what his stat, what his numbers were in that game? He finished with one catch for one yard. And again, we're talking about a guy who the Titans traded. And I, I have to take a pause here because I'm going to have to bring this up again. The Tennessee Titans traded, basically, essentially, traded away A.J. Brown for Traylon Burks. Huh. I think I think at this point we all know who won that trade. And again, 
Thank you very much, J-Rub. That was very brilliant move by you and your incompetence at the general manager position. Just great move for J-Rub. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But... Traylon Burks obviously needs to step up, and I, I have probably way more to say about Traylon Burks, but I'm going to leave that for another time because that's really a question that needs to be answered in the offseason. Traylon Burks is maybe in the Mike Vrabel doghouse as of right now. But someone who is very much, very much not in the Mike Vrabel doghouse at this point is, in fact, Will Levis, who finished 23 of 38 passing for 327 yards, one, the one touchdown to D-Hop, and the one interception, which he obviously did a very good job of bouncing back from. And speak, staying with D-Hop, uh, D-Hop is obviously very high on his young quarterback because he has said some glowing things about Will Levis. Uh, I remember seeing, I believe, I could be wrong, but but I believe it might have been the ESPN article on this game by, uh, obviously, Teron Davenport, the guy that covers the Titans for ESPN. One of the things that he said in that piece that D-Hop said was, quote, that that kid's going to be great, talking about Will Levis. And obviously, when you turn on the tape, that is, that is evident. And even more than that, in the, in the post-game interview after the game with Laura Rutledge, uh, D-Hop was being asked what he saw from Will Levis and what his maturation level is and blah, 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 blah. And Diop said, uh, and I quote, I, I saw a dog, talk, referring to Will Levis, a dog, a dog, which is also evident from anybody who's seen Will Levis over the stretch that he has been named the Titans starter because obviously he has that dog in him in a lot of ways. So there's plenty of positives to take away about Will Levis. One of the one of the things that I see is I love how I love how fired up he is on the sideline and to me, right now, that's a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways because some of, one of the things that some of the pundits have brought up, and this includes members of the local Nashville radio, one of the things that they have said is they are a little bit scared of Will Levis being too up or too down at times because Will Levis is a very emotional player and not saying that he is on the field because basically on the field he seems cool and calm and collected, but in the back of my mind, I can't help but fear if the highs and lows of any particular game will find a way to rear their ugly head in his play at some point because 
obviously he's a rookie and he is going to have mis- he's going to make mistakes and have those ups and downs. It's going to happen. It has happened throughout the course of his tenure as QB1. And to be to be fair to him, that happens to any rookie quarterback. It's happened to CJ Stroud at times who I will get in, who the Houston Texans will actually be without in tomorrow's game against the Titans as they come to Nissan Stadium. I'll have more to say on that here in just a second. But we see that those struggles with any rookie quarterback, whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it whether it is Will Levis, certainly certainly we know the struggles that Bryce Young has had over the course of this season, which are due in in very much large part due to the fact that Bryce Young does pay does play for the Carolina Panthers after all. It's a lot different than it was at Bama, isn't it, Bryce? And and uh, the good news for the Carolina Panthers is that if the season were to end today, they would of course have the Num- the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft. Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry, That that's right. The Carolina Panthers do not have the number one overall pick in this year's draft. That is because they traded it away to the Chicago Bears in order to move up to number one themselves to take Bryce Young and so, uh, things are things are not looking good for the Carolina Panthers at all. Oh my gosh, the the Panthers they just they just fired their coach a few weeks ago. The owners, the the owner David Tepper is going to be techni- is going to be technically on his fourth head coach after inevitably making the hire this offseason, and the Panthers are just a mess right now. But anyway, that is just a, just a little sidebar on the struggles that come with rookie quarterbacks. But what Levis is obviously going to experience some more ups and downs along the way. And that is to be expected, but certainly based on what we have seen, there is plenty of good to take away, especially when you look at the last two Titans scoring drives. Let me get into those very, very quickly before I move on to tomorrow's game against Houston and what it means and could mean for the Titans. Huh. The first one of those notable scoring drives was the non-play uh, 75-yard drive with about about I want to say 245 left. It was definitely left. It was definitely less. I should say, then four and a half minutes because I still can't get over the fact that the Titans were able to score 14 points in four minutes or less, give or take. But certainly certainly speaks uh, good things about Will Levis' ability to, con- to conduct a two-minute slash four-minute offense which is crucial in the NFL, as we all know. But the non-play 75-yard drive ending with the three-yard score to D-Hop, which cut the Dolphins' lead to six after the 
extra point by Nick Folk. So it's 27-21. The Titans defense, who which was phenomenal in this game, by the way, obviously going up against the number two ranked offense in the NFL with as poor as the play is in the secondary at times, the defense really did really stepped up and did its job when it mattered the most. Uh, defense forces a three and out and Titans get the ball back and this inevitably leads to Will Levis, the dog that is Will Levis connecting to uh, Chegakonkwo for a 16-yard completion, which I believe sets the Titans up at around the Miami 12-yard line, if I'm not mistaken. Dolphins actually commit a penalty on the next play, which of course moves the ball up even further in the pinnacle scoring zone, as it is known on Titans radio. And that, of course, sets up a three-yard Derrick Henry touchdown run. There was, there was also, actually, I have to, have to correct myself. I believe the Titans actually went, went for two following the Will Levis touchdown pass to D-Hop. I had to take a minute to make sure I got the correct stat on my stat sheet here, but the Two play the two point conversion made it twenty seven to twenty one Miami and then the Titans defense forces a three and out and then the drive after that Will Levis connects on the big thirty six yard pass to D Hop which sucked which sets up the sixteen yard pass to Aconquo, which sets up the three-yard touchdown run by uh, King Henry. And coming back to the job that the defense did, on the next Miami Dolphins possession, of course, we all know what happened, right? Harold Honor Landry steps up big, when he needs to, gets the final sack on Tua, which I believe was his third sack in that game. Big day for Harold Landry or Honor Landry, if you're asking Vince Young. And the Tennessee Titans defense as a whole. Really, really phenomenal job. All around, it was... It was definitely a all-around team win for the Tennessee Titans, who now move to 5-8 and eight on the regular season. And coming back to the emotional roller coaster of the previous two, day, two days, day and a half prior to that game, you... You can't help but think that the ghost of Frank Wachek had his hand on that football in a lot of ways on this past Monday night. You have to, you, as a Tennessee Titans fan, you, you have to hope that and like to think that Frank Wachek was with that team on Monday night because the tight this again this is a game that the Titans had no business winning and somehow not only do they find not only did they find a way to hold the Miami Dolphins and again and again this is a team that scored 70 points against the Denver Broncos who have since been playing way better 
than they were at this point in the season when Miami put up 70 against them. That game was also not the best for me fantasy football-wise, but I digress. Dolphins put up 70 points against Denver. And, of course, Denver's obviously been playing a little bit better. And if they keep winning, who knows? Maybe maybe I will no longer have to feel contractually obligated, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, to say, Broncos country, let's ride anymore. Maybe that'll happen, but I digress. The Tennessee Titans only held this team that put up 70 earlier in the year to 27. Just phenomenal accomplishment. Very, very gutsy performance by the defense. Now, very quickly, what does this mean for the Titans going into the Texans game tomorrow? Uh, of course, as I mentioned, the win over Miami moves the Titans to 5-8 and eight on the season. And as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, I remember listening to the radio earlier this week, and apparently there is still... There's plenty of scenarios out there at this point, but there... There are still scenarios where the Titans, get this, not only can make the playoffs as a wild card, but which is which is which is definitely the most likely outcome for the Titans, regardless of how likely that outcome even is. Not only is there that scenario, there's also the scenario of the Titans getting into the playoffs as the division champion. I'm going to say that again just so that it sinks in because it is very crazy to think about. Not only can the Titans sneak into the playoffs, they can, could also sneak into the playoffs as a division winner and host a playoff game at Nissan Stadium. Isn't that crazy to think about? Isn't that just insane to think about? This this team was dead weeks ago. This team was... This team was, arguably was and is still dead and may even be on life support right now. Probably is still on life support right now as we speak. But they are still alive nonetheless at five and eight and come into a matchup with Houston tomorrow, which seems a little bit more likely, not knock on wood, to be a success and to win for the Titans than it did at this point a couple of weeks ago because as I mentioned the Titans the excuse me the Texans will be without CJ Stroud and will be facing more than likely Davis Mills and his incredibly long neck I mean gosh and I have to take a minute to think about it. It's crazy. For those of you who may not be aware, look, feel free to, if you have the time, Google Davis Mills, okay? And just see how long this man's neck is because he looks, he looks like a giraffe, okay? He looks like a giraffe out there playing quarterback. And also, from what I've, from what I've seen... Uh, is also about as about as mobile as a giraffe. As a matter of fact, a giraffe maybe at full speed maybe a little bit more mobile than Davis Mills. Davis Mills is sort of a statue 
in the world of quarterbacking as far as that is concerned. But the Titans will more than likely be facing him on Sunday, tomorrow. And because of this, mainly the and I'm not saying it is going. I'm knocking on wood as we speak. You got you. Excuse me. You you guys can hear that, right? I'm very much knocking on wood as I say that because I do not want to jinx this game in any way. But if the Titans were to win this game against Houston. Tomorrow, and depending on what C.J. Stroud's situation is going forward, the Tennessee Titans playoff situation may be a little bit brighter than it will definitely be a little bit brighter than it has been in really the first 14, 15 weeks of the season, frankly. And as crazy as it is to say and think about, and as crazy as this team has looked, especially over the last few weeks, with Will Levis Levis as the starting quarterback and the sort of streak that he's been on, some good, some bad, definitely some more good than bad against the Dolphins. And it's just the first glimpse of of what Will Levis could be was obviously present in his starting debut against the Falcons when he threw for the four touchdowns. Which will, which still crazy for me to think about. Will Levis throwing for more touchdowns in one game than Ryan Tannehill had all season up to that point. But as crazy as it is to think about the Titans' playoff hopes still being alive, they are still alive. And again, as crazy as it is for me to say and think about there is a scenario where this team with as which is depending very much largely on rookies in a lot of ways because mainly due to the offensive line Peter Skaronsky obviously the starting left guard uh, Jalen Duncan has the sixth round pick has had to slide in at left tackle which is crazy to think about, the guy who was originally pegged as the sort of swing guy on that O-line to step in and start and do some fairly good things for the Titans, keeping the O-line together as much as he possibly can, because that is a very, very tall task. And something that will hopefully be addressed even further in the off season. But and obviously it's not just the offensive line that has gotten in on the action. The rookies on the offensive line. Tajay Spears has obviously stepped up in his RB two role behind the King, obviously. And question that some people are beginning to ask is, can Tajay Spears be RB1 moving forward? Who knows? Who knows? That's a question that will have to be answered in the future as well, depending on what Derrick Henry's situation is moving forward. But you have those guys and then Obviously, you have Will Levis in the fold as QB1. The fact that this team is still technically alive in the playoff conversation as 
as unlikely as it is, is remarkable. It's really, it's really something to think about and admire. It really is. And as a fan, I'm hopeful for good things for the Tennessee Titans for the rest of this season. I know that this year is more than likely not going to be a playoff year, but definitely based on, I mean, it's wins like this that really, really should show you that maybe there is something there. Maybe maybe we have something here. You see Tajay Spears giving Will Levis a, a big hug in the post-game interview on Monday night. You see things like that, and you see the, pl- the obvious play of the team on the field, and you have to sit back and think to yourself, you know what? You know what? Maybe there is something. Maybe there is something going on with this team going into 2024. A team that will have upwards of $80 million in salary cap space. Maybe there is something that's going on with this team. Maybe there's something going on in Nashville right now. But fingers crossed for that to happen. The playoff situation is something that I will be watching in very great detail, especially next week. I'd like to do another episode probably after Monday night's game where I go into the playoff picture more in detail and discuss what the, what the particular scenarios are and what I think is going to happen down the stretch. But with that being said, that is pretty much going to wrap it up for me today. I, I guess I'm going to hop on out of here and continue to reflect on the craziness that came from last Monday night's game. Send some more condolences to the Wachek family and all of his friends and loved ones. Reflect on that some more, and really look forward to tomorrow's game against the Texans because if the foot, if the Titans were to, if the Titans were to win out, and all the obvious other scenarios, which I do not have time to get into today, uh, unfold in their favor, the we could be looking at a playoff team as crazy as that is to think about. But I guess on that note, I'm going to hop on out of here. I want to thank you all, as always, for tuning in to this edition of the podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you guys very soon. Take care.